Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teaching. That's kindergarten stuff. Let us move beyond the elementary teaching about Christ and go forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works or faith towards God. Foundations have to be in place before you can build. And the foundation of the Christian life is repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Dead works are religious things that churches make you do that have no life in them, that don't produce anything with God. It's just religious routine that does nothing. You can get on the floor, pray three times, count beads. It's a dead work. It has no life in it. So God's not into dead works. He's into life and life abundant. And so he tries to get us out of this religious facade so that what we do has life and only life in it. And then faith towards God. Uh, my grandfather used to tell me many, many years ago, Ricky, if you want to build more than a chicken coop out of your life, you have to build it on a strong foundation. Here's a picture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Over 200 years old, 185 feet high, solid marble, and that sucker has nearly fallen. They have tied it with ropes, steel cables. They've pumped certain kind of materials under the ground. That's the only picture I've got, but if you see it with the other buildings, it's like, whoa, way out of sync. I wouldn't want to get up in it because it will fall flat. Pisa means marshland. So the builders built that monster heavy thing, that high heavy thing, on soft, squishy, marshy land. Bad move. It would not sustain the weight. So if you want a great life or a great marriage or you want your finances to be in great shape or great health, great relationships, you got to build it on a strong foundation. You gotta build it on something that's gonna hold you up. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus is our rock and his word, he tells us if I listen to his word and I obey it, I'm like a man who built his house or his life on a rock. And then he said this, and the winds came and the rains came and the floods came and beat against it. That means even if you've got a great marriage, a great life, a great relationship with God, you, got, you honor the Lord with your finances, even your health, you are going to get your boat rocked. Because he said one guy built on sand, same kind of house, same location, one guy built on a rock. He said, and the storms came to both of them. And the one on the sand fell like the leaning tower of Pisa. We got a lot of Christians in here that kind of walk like this. They hadn't quite fallen, but they're leaning because they don't have a good foundation. And every problem that kind of comes and blows towards them, it's like almost, almost gone. They don't have much of a faith foundation. So, so Jesus didn't say, he who recites my word. He says, who hears my word and does it. Matthew 7, read it again tonight. He says, he's like the guy that built on a rock, and when the storms came... Yeah, it hit him, knocked him for a loop, but he didn't fall. So you're going to make it through every storm, 
but not if you build on cultural trends, ideologies. Well, you know, today that's unfashionable. I just don't believe God means what God says. Well, I just don't think God would want me not to do that. There's your problem. You're not, you're not the foundation that's going to hold you up is going to be God's word. <coughs> Confidence that what he said he means and he's never changed his mind. He's never re-edited the Bible, ever. He said, heaven and earth will pass away. My word will never pass away. So if you want a sure foundation, you build on that. Now, Jim Williams was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. I was a commercial pilot. And I can tell you, if you were in the aviation business, you know this, they will really quick get all the hot shot jocks put them in a chair, blindfold them, so that they can prove you can't live by feeling. You can't walk by sight. You've got to live by those instruments. You've got to believe those instruments. My body's telling me I'm in a descending right turn, and I'm not. My body has lied to me. My feelings have lied to me. So they teach you, you must ignore it. So first, they have to prove that we are not able to discern what's going on by our feeling. So they spin that chair, blindfold us, and then they make a fool out of you in front of everybody so that you'll finally understand, I can't trust what I'm thinking or feeling. I trust what my instrument says. I'm flying straight and level, or I'm flying on a correct heading, and I'm not flying by the seat of my pants. I'm flying by those instruments. So I'm doing the same thing with God's Word. So my, my feelings say, well, I just don't believe it's going to work. I don't know how God's going to get me out of this. I don't see how God will supply all my need if I give God 10% of my income. Well, if I do this, if I do that, I don't see how God's ever going to solve this problem. I'll never have enough money to go to college. I'll never. Would you shut up? <laughs> you have just talked yourself into unbelief absolute unbelief. That is not what God said. You've got to say, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but he promised to supply my need. I've honored his word. I've stood on his word. Therefore, he'll rebuke the devourer. He'll come through for me, right? You've just got to learn to do that by faith. If I told you what I feel sometimes, you'd be scared. You say, really? You thought that? I've had every thought you could imagine. I'm a passionate man, up and down and around. I have felt like murder. I have felt like all kinds of things. I felt like, oh, shucks, like Johnny Paycheck, take this job and shove it. You know, I'm trying to be real to you instead of being a cute little soft preacher. I'm trying to tell you, I don't live by that. I, well, I wonder if I married the right person. Anybody been married more than 30 minutes knows you got that question coming up. <laughs> No, I made a covenant, and I made a promise. I stood on my word there. I, I, it's not an issue. And I'll tell you what, it'll keep you sane. It'll keep you safe. And you'll be able to finish life strong. You won't be like this. Well, you're on the fourth marriage. Well, I don't know. I'm broker than the Ten Commandments. I don't know why. Because you live by what you think, what you feel, what culture says, and you haven't lived by what God said. So you just built your whole life on sand. And God's going to say it's going to blow down. It may take a while, but you're coming down. Now, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see physically. Faith has to do with the conviction that certain things that God says are true, but I can't see it. 
I have to take it by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So faith is the very foundation of our Christian life and our Christian walk. Everything is built on a foundation of faith. By the way, everybody in this room is building your life on something. Every single one of you. You're building it on something. You've got a foundation. I don't know what it is, but you've got one. Everybody in here. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. But I don't feel it, Rick. I, I don't, it doesn't look like it. Well, that's why you have to have a faith foundation. Uh, I've heard people make fun of it, but I, I absolutely believe this is a correct confession. I know Joel Osteen does it, and I have several friends that do it. They'll say to everybody, take your Bible or your smart pad or your iPad or your smartphone. Now, hardly anybody carries a Bible now. We got it on our phone or whatever. He says, hold up your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I, I can do what it says I can do. I, I am who it says I am. And that's a true. That's a true statement. You say, well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel saved someday. It's got nothing to do with the fact I am saved. I did exactly what he told me to do. I believe Jesus died. He's the son of God. He paid for my sins. He rose from the dead. And my faith in that has produced righteousness and eternal life for me. It ain't based on how I feel. I wouldn't be saved three-fourths of the day if that was the, if I went by how I feel. How about you? Lighten up a little bit. All right, it's not Episcopal Church. Think for yourself. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 14. That's what jet lag will do for you. For he chose us in him, Christ, before the creation of the world to be blameless and holy in his sight. In love, he predestined us to the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. That's in Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, Christ, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, do you know what sports teams do when they report to camp? Well, they always begin with fundamentals, blocking and tackling, right? In baseball, one of the fundamentals when a batter hits a ball on the ground on the right side of a pitcher 
towards first base, the pitcher has to break for first base to cover it because the first baseman's going after that ball. Now, he's got to practice covering that automatically. He can't think about it, be told about it. It's a fundamental instinct that when he sees that ball go through him over by the first baseman, he breaks to cover that base automatically. It's got to be instinctive. It is a fundamental. Now, I don't golf, and some guys in here who do but really can't golf. <laughs> I was told Jack Nicholas, one of the all-time great golfers, would always go back every year to his coach and mentor and say, okay, let's start over. How's my grip? How's my stance? How's my swing? How's my follow-through? Every year, you could call it retooling to win. That's a good idea for believers. That's a great idea for leaders. Every year or so, we need a fresh evaluation of our fundamentals. And the most fundamental thing about the Christian life is we are supposed to be people of faith. So why should we have a fresh evaluation occasionally? Well, here we go. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give all the more earnest attention to the things we have heard, lest we let them slip or drift away. Now, boats are usually kept in slips for anchoring. Otherwise, they'll drift away. Ever go down to the beach on vacation, jump in the ocean, play, and in about 10 minutes, you're half a mile down the beach? Shoot. You didn't even realize you were moving. But you were drifting. Well, that's, that's kind of what happens spiritually. And that's what the Bible says we can do as believers. If we let the things we've heard slip. So faith is so fundamental that if we don't keep returning to it and keep reminding ourselves about it, the very thing that's our foundation can slip out from under us and boy, we're going to go down and we're in trouble. You know, why aren't people better off for all the books they've read, sermons they've heard, and CDs or podcasts they've listened to? Some of you ought to glow in the dark but you've let a lot of it slip in your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships, in your business. How much have you let slip? You can teach, preach, lecture on all of those areas and still let them slip in your own life. You can write a book on successful marriage and get a divorce. You let it slip. Now, I'm not saying anybody went out and tried to. I'm just saying... It happens. We don't realize it. Sometimes I've heard somebody come or I've been in a conference and they preach something on giving and generosity and all of a sudden I'm re-energized about the truth of giving in order to receive. Now, I know that. I can quote you 50 scriptures on that. But you can drift and then you hear a message and all of a sudden you're jacked up, inspired, and you want to do something to generate a harvest. You want to sow into the area of your need. You know, you, God's plan for, for finances is not prayer. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. That's not, it's give and you shall receive. You, it's not pray for money. Give for money. 
See, and give and you shall receive. In like measure as you give, so shall you receive. And whatever you give, you give love. That's what you get back. You get a harvest. Sow and reap. And Galatians says, you reap what you sow. So if you don't like your life and you don't like what's going on in your marriage, then all we got to do is, what, what's counseling? Let me see the seed. What have you been sowing? And here's what's wrong and here's what you got to change. That's, counseling is nothing but getting you recentered on the rock in faith on what God's Word says. Dwell with your wife in an understanding way. You got to learn that. And you have to be reminded because you've been married a long time. Pretty soon you just burp and mumble and walk on by and you forget the fundamentals. Oh, honey, you looking foxy today. That looks, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if I'm going to let you go to church. That look, you looking too good. You talk to the girl. The little, little courtesies, moving the chair out for your wife, opening the car door for your wife. Those are little fundamentals. That's not supposed to be special. That's just normal, normal, good old marriage 101. Beats, it beats alimony. And some of you know well what that is because you let it slip, didn't you? Yeah. So before we can be built up, there has to be a solid foundation in our life. Faith is indispensable. Do I believe God or not? It's that simple. Now, do I love God? Now, do you believe him? You know, let me tell you, when the bottom falls out of your life, when everything goes dark, you're going to find out in a nanosecond, and so are we, what you really believe, what you really treasure. In one nanosecond, you're going to find out. You can come to church and go, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You can scream, shout, run around three times, whatever. But when the chips go down, we'll find out if you're standing on faith are sinking sand? Are you standing on God's Word? You've got to quote it and declare it and stand on it confidently in that crisis that God said He called unto me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Now, it may not be by 5 o'clock, but it's, I'm coming out of it. I've never felt in any crisis that, I don't know, we'll never get out of this. I've never felt that. I felt like we will get out of it. I just don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know how this need will be met. I know it will be met. And I've lived to watch it happen over and over and over. Now, I heard some idiot say one time, faith is believing what you know ain't so. That's not true. Faith is walking, talking, living, speaking, and thinking that whatever God says is real is, whether I feel it or not. By his stripes, I am healed. Thank you, Lord. I am begotten of God, and the wicked one touches me not. Right now, I'm battling stage four cancer, or I'm battling that chemical uh, reaction I had with that shoulder surgery to, to tramadol and whatever. And it's like, yeah, I look like a mess. I just look terrible. But, I, I, but I'm not ever feeling I'm going to stay that way. And I've got to quote what God said and said, I know this is what I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like that I'm not going to recover. Oh, I'm so depressed. Now, those are feelings, real feelings. But I have to keep quoting the word, and then I get others around me to quote the word and pray over me too, the same word to help me because I believe God is my healer and he will bring me out of it, and of course he did. But my point is, that's faith. Faith, it doesn't take any faith for what you see. It's what you don't see. That's why when you get in trouble, somebody in faith comes up to you, they're not going to say, oh, my God, I never saw anything this bad. 
Well, you know, I knew three people and they all died. I, yeah, you don't want to hear that. I want you to say, hey, you're going to get through this. We're coming out on the other side. We're either going to go over it, under it, or around it, or through it. But we're going through it. Victory is ours in Jesus' name. That's a fact. So, and, and that's the foundation. Many biblical commentators place a similarity in style between the book of Joshua and the book of Ephesians. Just as the book of Joshua dealt with a promised land and a high order of living in the kingdom, well, the book of Ephesians is a book that talks about our great gifting in heavenly places and victory for the people of God. It's a book full of victory, just like the book of Joshua. For example, in the book of Joshua, God said to him, Behold, I have given you the land, but they're not in it. Hello? They're not in it yet. And when they saw the giants and walled cities and problems, Israel didn't believe they could take the land. I mean, he said, I gave it to you. But you got to get off your bottom and go take it. Oh, and, but they're pretty big people. Yeah, but I told you I'd give you the land. So you got to somehow believe you're going to whip them. I'm going to give you victory. I've already given you the land. So God says, I've given it to you. Now believe it and believing it, go in and possess it. But Israel refused to go in and spent 40 years in the desert. Hundreds of thousands of people, 40 years, had to die because of the report of 10 spies who said, we be not able. That's the biggest church in any town. Where do you go to church? We be not able, Christian Fellowship. Do you, do you, have, to be, you have to be a member? No, we be not able. You have to tithe or give? Oh, no, 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 we be not able. You have to be faithful? No, we be not able. Yeah, yeah, I thought, we be not able. Where, who told you that? See, that's not a walk of faith. We be not able. What did Joshua say? We are well able to take it. They are bread for us. And the Joshua generation went in and took the land. So what was the difference in those two groups? Faith. God said, I've given it to you. Now get in there and possess it, and I'll be with you. And every place your foot treads, I'll give you the land. So remember, Joshua and Caleb saw the same giants, but they didn't see them as unbeatable. They said, they're bread for us. Remember, Saul looked at Goliath and said, my God, he's too big to kill. David looked at him and says, he's too big to miss. Give me a rock. And went after him. Two different perspectives. See, those giants, your problem is just God's workout routine for you. It's like going to the gym. Yep. It was never a matter of who's going to win. We've already won. If I'm more than a conqueror, I've already won before it's over. See, because God's already given it to us. And the superiority of the New Testament over the Old Testament is clear. The Old Testament was a promised land. The New Testament is a land of promises. And the promises, 7,457, are mentioned right here in Ephesians 1, where God tells us that from before the foundation of the world, God chose you and predestined you to be adopted as his son. God saw you, God saw me as a little orphan of sin, but he chose to adopt us as his child. Now, how many of you know, all of us who are parents, generally we didn't get to choose our kid. We just got like lotto what came out. That was sort of a lottery. Oh, I get you. 
But when you adopt, you get to go pick out your child. That's pretty special. And God says he has adopted you. He chose you. He said, yes, you. Stinking you. Yes, you. I want you. And, you know, people make fun of you sometimes and say, oh, they were adopted. Well, you can say back to them, yeah, your parents are stuck with you. They chose me. Yeah. And God chose you. So if we had faith, that's what we'd say. I'm special. God's adopted me as his child. Verse 11, Ephesians 1 says, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. And Christ died rose from the dead and lives now and sent his Holy Spirit to make sure we get what he died to give us. The Holy Spirit is the administrator of the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. Get acquainted with the Holy Spirit. He's not weird. He's been sent to preserve and keep you to give the guidance you need and to make sure that the prosecuting attorney, the devil, does not defraud you of what God has rightfully given you. So that's why I have to always, if, if Jesus had to fight the devil with scripture, so do I. So do I. I remind the prosecuting attorney with my defense attorney, the Holy Spirit, that I have a biblical right. I have rights, certain inalienable rights as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I have power of attorney that whatever I ask in his name, he'll do it. Where two or three of us shall agree on earth, God said he'll do it. Yeah. I'm, that's my faith. I, I'm not a religious person. I'm a faith person. And I believe that if God makes a promise, God will do anything to keep it. Back, back up the sun 10 degrees, make the sun stand still, feed you with an unclean bird or an unsaved person, open the Red Sea, whatever he has to do. Preserve your life so you live a long time and you're strong and healthy until what he promised you comes to pass. Yeah. So good. This is so, man, this is so great. I don't have to bow down and give a banana to some little Buddha. And it just lays there on the floor. I'm thinking, he ain't even eating it. What, what's the point of doing this? This is a vibrant, living faith. Verse 11 says, In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So he says he works everything to the counsel of his will. All things. Do a study on all things, like Matthew 21, 22. And all things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. How many things? All things. There was a time you heard that, you jumped, you shouted, you laughed, and immediately made out your prayer list. What's happened? You've let it slip. John 15, 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, but friends. For all things I have heard of my Father, I now make known to you. He doesn't hide anything from us. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He didn't say they were good things. He just said he works everything for my good. So whether you, you had a bankruptcy, whether you had a layoff at a job, whether, whether you had a, a, a harsh report from your doctor, whatever it may have been, God says, 
I will work that somehow for your good and for my glory. So I always believe that, even when I don't like it, even when the circumstances aren't fair, even when somebody else did it. He says, no, 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 I redeem everything. I'll use that for your good. I promise you I will. It's not going to be wasted. Don't suck your thumb, go into a fetal position, and line up at the counselor's office. Don't do that. Don't go into unbelief and fly away and get a wedgie. Don't do that. Don't, don't drop out of church. That's amazing to me how many people will drop out of church when they have a problem. The first thing you need to do is draw close to God in a problem, not go away from him. Draw close to him. I don't want to go away from him. If you look at your past year, was it good or bad? Well, actually, that's a wrong question. There's only one answer that pleases God. Whatever happened, he will be working it for my good and his glory. Well, Rick, that's just kind of hard for me to believe. Well, Sparky, that's where faith steps up and says, I don't understand it. I don't feel it. But God's word says he works all things for my good, even bad things that happen to me. Ephesians 1.12 says it's all happening to the praise of his glory. Now, if we're not praising him, it's pure unbelief. Your level of praise is your spiritual thermometer. When the level of praise in the church is up, people are believing. When it's just okay, you need a tune-up. You know, rain or shine, we need to have faith. See, I know who I am. I know what God has given me. I know the promises he's made from Scripture. Feelings are not. Good days are bad days. Don't change that one iota. I am begotten of God. I am loved by the Father. I am kept by the Holy Spirit. I am imprinted in the palm of his hands. No man can pluck me from his hand. I am the apple or pupil of his eye. Every hair on my head is cancer. He loves me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. No matter what's going on, that doesn't change. I know that doesn't change. I'm a man of faith. I believe God's word. And he's given me that word so I can be unshakable, tossed, hit, but I don't collapse. That's all. People with great marriages didn't have a great marriage because nobody ever fussed or disagreed or got offended. Either that or one of you is a doormat. I don't know. One guy said, well, we've never had a fuss. And I thought, well, you just told me about you. That's not possible. This is not possible. Okay, so every marriage gets hit. Every, every relationship gets hit. Finances get hit. People who tithe and give and are generous, to, they get hit. But they get back up, and God comes through and meets the need and, and solves the problem. They've got insurance. He made a promise. If you do this, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. You know, if you're, not honor, if you're a believer and you don't honor the Lord with the first portion of your income, God didn't say he had rebuked the devourer. There was a condition. If you do this, I'll do that. There's a recipe. You've got to obey it. Whoever hears my word, that's half of it, and does it. So a lot of you hear it, but you won't do it. Therefore, you forfeit the foundation that God had for you. This isn't how you get into heaven. This is how you get a little heaven on earth and have God backing you up. It's faith. It's simple. So God wrote the script for your life before the foundation of the world, and he sees it like a movie. I've been to action movies and seen, I saw Saving Private Ryan five times. Uh, have you ever gone 
into something with drama and high suspense and maybe you went to a friend, a friend went with you and they've never seen it. And then you come to a high drama area and they're, they're all upset and worried and you're sitting there knowing it's going to be okay because I've already seen the movie. I can tell you what's going to happen already, see, because I've already seen the movie, so I'm not stressed. Well, God looks down at us and our lives and writes words like Ephesians here because he's already looked at your life. He's seen the movie. He's already written the script. And there are times in the movie it looks like you're going down. You're going over. You're not going to recover. You're not going to make it. It looks like you're going over the side of the mountain. God says, relax. I've already seen the movie. It's all working for your good. Hey, I'm going to make it. And if you don't believe that, then the foundation of your walk with Jesus has slipped. And when the foundation slips, the whole building is in danger of collapse. That's why when foundations crack or an earthquake and a building is still up, they'll condemn it because the foundation is already shifted and now the building is considered unstable. And there are people like that, unstable. And you kind of back away because they're going to come down. You don't know when, you don't know what's going to trigger, but they're going to come down. Their foundation has shifted. But as long as I'll stay on the foundation of his word and believe what he says about me or about a situation, I will not fall. I will not fail. So there's a transcendent one who is governing all things and commanding us to believe things we can't see because he said they were so, so I'll believe it. And the fact that you know, you're in trouble doesn't mean it won't work out all right. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise. I don't care if you live in a gated community or you live in the Dominion. I don't care if you drive a Rolls Royce and you wear a $3,000 custom-made suit and you got a $130,000 Tesla in the driveway. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. Don't get a wedgie. I've overcome the world. I just like saying that. I don't know why. So the movie's not over. Keep watching. God has written victory over your script. Well, you say, well, I don't feel it. It's got nothing to do with your feelings. It's got to do with what God has promised and God said. See, we walk by faith, not by sight, not by feeling, not by reasoning, but by faith. You know, Rick, I got a bad boss. I should have been promoted last year. I've been passed over twice. I can't seem to get a break. Well, Proverbs 21, 1 says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it any way he wants. You got an ugly boss? Relax. God's got a string on him. God can jerk him anytime he wants to, to promote you. Promotion comes from the Lord, Psalm 75. Hmm, interesting. Maybe God wants you to learn something, and you're not learning it yet. But promotion comes from the Lord, not the north, south, or the west. God's in charge. See, the, the boss thinks he's in charge. I think I'm in charge, but God says, I, there's one above Rick who's really in charge. You got some old backslidden mate or a backslidden child? Relax. God's got a string on him. God's got a string on the devil. God's got a string on the one deserting you, betraying you, hurting you. God's in charge. Well, it doesn't seem like he is. Well, it didn't seem like it when Jesus was on the cross. The greatest victory God ever won was in the darkest hour when it looked like he was losing. Come on, folks. The, this, you know, losing faith is contagious. You, you, can, you can touch a defiling spirit that's lost faith, and everything that comes out of their mouth is lost faith. So if you're an adopted son of God and God has determined something over your life, nobody 
can undo it. It can be never undone by people or circumstances. God's got a plan. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. I've stood on that verse in Proverbs, uh, Philippians 1, verse 6, sorry. Philippians 1, 6. That which I have begun in you, I will perform it unto the day of Jesus. That means nobody can upset you. They can disturb you. They can harass you. They can delay you. They can't stop you if God started it. That which I have begun in you, I will perform it unto the day of Jesus. Boy, I have stood on that in trial after trial over a lifetime. It doesn't matter that people hurt you, betray you, deserted you, or unkind to you. As people of faith, we need to be like Joseph, who said to his brothers, you sorry rascals meant it for evil, but God meant your evil for good so I could deliver my whole family and help Messiah come through. Well, Rick, to hear you say it, we can't lose. Now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. See, no matter where you are or where you find yourself today, the movie ain't over yet. And that's the foundation of how you have to walk. Now, why am I preaching this? Simple message, because we forget it. And the point isn't what the enemy says or does. It's what you see and believe and what you say. you got to believe God is with you and that God means what God says towards you. Joseph did. In Hebrews eleven twenty two, by faith, Joseph. He didn't see it. He didn't feel it. He didn't understand it. He's in jail. But he believed God was with him. And God ultimately brought him out of prison and put him on a throne as a prime minister. We need faith. And we need to reclaim what we've let slip. God has given all things to us. I have obtained an inheritance. So don't trust your circumstances. Don't trust what you see or what you hear. Look beyond what you see to what's true, what's real. And that's the eternal, infallible Word of God and His 7,457 promises. Favorite verse, Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith to be saved, faith to be healed, faith to be delivered. It comes from God's Word. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.